0: Good morning, morning. and welcome. So good to see uh, bright and smiling faces this morning. You're probably dragging a little bit, but when you stepped outside, you woke up this morning for sure. So welcome. We're so glad you're here. If you're visiting with us for the first time today, we're just privileged to have you join us. And we want you to know here at East LJ Baptist Church, we have been captivated by Christ. Through the gospel, we have seen through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, the glory of God. And we cannot unsee His glory, uh, His grace given to us through what Christ has done. And Jesus has captivated us. We as a church exist to spread our enjoyment of the beauty of Christ with our world. And we hope that today you'll see that beauty and that you too will be captivated by Him. I want to give a quick thank you to uh, our personnel committee. You'll learn more as the day goes on about what they've been up to, uh, even today. And so thank you all for uh, your work in in our church and service to our church. I want to invite you to stand with me as we read from God's Word. Several quick verses from Romans, and then we'll jump over to Matthew. Romans chapter 5. Verse 8 says, God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The gospel in a nutshell. The, truth of the, the result of that truth is Romans 8, verse 1. There is, therefore, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because, you see, Jesus died and bore all of our condemnation, all of God's condemnation on our sins For us. And so Paul could say in Romans 8 38 that I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can you say that? That you're sure of the love of Christ for you? Today? Well, Romans 12, verses 1 and 2 is, as we've seen, uh, where Paul pivots and having unfolded the mercy and grace of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, he tells us how we should live in light of the gospel. What difference should it make? Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And we've been in a series for the last number of weeks on how does, what does that look like? How do we live our lives as living sacrifices? How do we refuse to be conformed to the world and rather have our minds transformed by God's Word. Practically, what does that look like in our relationships? What does it look like in our use of time? And then today, we're going to talk about what does it look like in our giving? Matthew 6, verses 19 to 24 will be our text. It says, Jesus says, "...do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven." where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness! No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other... Or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And so Jesus tells us very plainly what living sacrifices look like on a financial level. What, what we're to, our lives are to look like with reference to our money. Aren't you thankful today that you know the grace and love of God? And how easy it is, how, how much easier it is for us who have experienced the grace of God to graciously give. Amen? That's what we're going to be talking about today. But, you know, we have neighbors and friends who, uh, quite frankly, are slaves to money. And who've never known Christ. They've never been released from that slavery that we're all prone to uh, by the grace and mercy of God in Jesus. And so we want to pray for your neighbors and for our witness to them. We also want to pray for the, the nations. This morning we want to pray for a large Muslim people group in Bosnia, the Bosniak people, 1,641,000 of them, with only 0.03% uh, believers among them, less than 500 believers among 1.64 million people. And so we want to pray for God to Use the believers there, penetrate that people group with the gospel, and spread the, the truth among the Bosniak people. We also want to pray for Ukraine. Some of you know uh, Ian Conry from our community here. Ian has, has the opportunity, so I want us to pray for him as well, to go and serve with a local Romanian Baptist church at the border uh, and minister to refugees coming out of Ukraine into Romania uh, he'll leave about a week from now and be gone. Uh, be, be there serving for three weeks. So we want to pray for that effort and, and all, the other, uh, all the rest of that situation there in Ukraine. Join me as we pray. Father, how we praise you. that While we were yet sinners, you showed us just the kind of heart you have. And you loved us while we were rebelling against you and sent your son to die in our place so that it could be true of us today if we trust you that there is no condemnation for us, but we are rather fully accepted in the beloved. Lord, we are loved forever, and nothing will ever change your love for us in Christ Jesus. And so, God, we want to live our lives to you. We want to be living sacrifices. We don't want to look like the world. We want to look like your people. We want to have our minds changed by your truth, what you say is real in this world. And we want to live that out for the glory of our King and for the good of our neighbors and of the nations. Lord, we lift up uh, those that we know that need Christ, that you would work in their hearts and use us to speak the message of the gospel that is the power of God and the salvation. And Father, for the Bosniak people of uh, Bosnia, we pray, God, that you would open their hearts and use your, your few people there uh, to reach uh, this people group with the gospel. God, we continue to pray for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine as they serve others and uh, physically and care for one another and and share the truth of of Jesus even in these days of war. We pray for uh, relief efforts both inside and and outside the borders of Ukraine. We lift up the ministry of the the local church there in Romania and we pray for Ian as he goes in just a couple weeks to uh, just a few days to be Uh, of use there to the kingdom. And, Lord, this morning we pray for the family of Sherry Newton uh, who went home to be with you uh, overnight. Father, how we thank you for her life and uh, just the the testimony and example of faith and joy uh, in Christ that she was to all of us. pray for comfort now for the family. Lord, we uh, continue to pray for um, baby Natalie Johnson and pray that, uh, Lord, she'll be able to go home very soon. We pray for continue to pray for Dorothy Harrington, Phil's mom, and pray that you'd give her a good recovery from um, the procedure this week. Lord, we lift up Kathy Rickert and pray that she'd continue to heal well. And we also pray for the families of Patty Moore and Joan Doyle. God, you would just comfort and surround them with your love and presence, we pray. Lord, thank you for a beautiful Lord's Day. Thank you for the privilege of worship. Thank you for the freedom to worship you in this place today. Now, God, we pray that you would help us to be still and know that you are God. We pray that Christ would be lifted high and that in him we would be fully fully satisfied, Lord, that we would drink deeply from the well of living water this morning, even as we sing the gospel and preach the gospel. and And, and Lord, have opportunity to... Uh, respond to the gospel in in prayer and in worship and in giving, all for your glory and honor. We ask it in Jesus' name, Amen, Amen. Right standing as we sing.
1: We're glad you joined us this morning. We're going to change our plan a little bit and do a song we haven't done in a couple of years, and we're going to sing those verses. Chad keeps reading my favorite verses in Romans eight thirty eight and thirty nine. And uh, I thought over oh, the past few weeks, well, we ought to sing that little chorus because that's on his heart. And we don't get together and plot and say, okay, Joe, this song goes with this verse and this one, and that one. But uh, I thought this morning we kind of ran over it and dusted it off. And uh, I thought, well, you know, we probably won't do it. And then that's the very first thing he read. <laughs> so I just think we need to sing that same scripture.
2: You declare your victory.
0: Father, how we thank you today that because of Jesus, that fear has been overcome. And even today, if we know you, if we've trusted Jesus, your spirit lives in us. Thank you, Father, that you overcame the grave. You overcame the power of sin. Jesus, you paid the penalty for all of our sins. You did become our peace so that today we can call you our Father. How we praise you, how we thank you. And Lord, we want to live our lives for you. We want to be ever responding to your grace in worship and gratitude and practical obedience and service. Showing the world who you are and what you've done for us and how we relate to each other. And how we spend our time. And Lord, how we use our money. Lord Jesus, you are worthy of the worship of our entire lives. And anything less belittles your grace. So come now and be our teacher, speak to our hearts, change us, transform our minds that our lives might be changed. And Lord, show us that in obedience to the one who died for us, we will find our greatest fulfillment, true happiness For Lord, if you would send your son to die, Lord Jesus, if you would lay your life down for us, how is it that we could ever question the goodness, the love behind your commands for us? They're always for our good. Convince us of this today. For your name's sake, we ask it in Jesus' name. All right, we'll be dismissed to Children's Church, and I'll invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, we'll be looking particularly at verses 19 through 24 in just a few minutes. It was John Wesley who said this about our lives. When the possessor of heaven and earth brought you into being and placed you in this world, he placed you here not as an owner, but as a steward. Because the possessor of heaven and earth is the only true owner. Amen. Over in First Corinthians 4, verses 1 and 2, Paul talking about the the, the, the treasure, the, the mystery of the gospel that we've been entrusted with said, this is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. Faithful. It is required, Paul says, it's required of those of us who are stewards. God's the owner. We're stewards who've been given the grace and mercy of God. It's required of us that as we've been called to, to take that grace, that message of the gospel, our salvation in Jesus, it's required of us that we be found faithful in our stewardship of our own salvation. In other words, our lives are to be lived For the glory of King Jesus. We are now on part 10 of a series entitled, Stewarding Our Lives for the Glory of King Jesus. That's why you're here, and still here if you know Jesus today. That we might steward our lives for the glory of King Jesus. Ron Blue said this of stewardship. Stewardship is the use of God-given resources for the accomplishment of God-given goals. And that is to be our life. We've been looking over the last several weeks at, at how to steward our lives for the glory of King Jesus. We've looked at, at our relationships with one another. What all our relationships with each other in the body of Christ look like if we're to be good stewards of God's grace. We're to love one another. We're to serve one another. What are our relationships supposed to look like? Whether well, even our enemies, those outside the church, it, but even those that oppose us, and we learn from God's Word that we are to love them. Love our enemies even as God loved us when we were still His enemy. What should our use of our time look like? How should we differ from the world all around us in how we spend our time? Well, God today should have priority in my time. But then how I spend those big chunks of my time, work, family, family, Rest and leisure and and, and then relationships with unbelievers. How we spend that time, again, it's to be stewarded to the glory of Christ. Well, the last thing we'll talk about, though we'll talk about it for more than one Sunday, is our money. What about our money? If all of life is to be lived as, we're to live as living sacrifices to, to, to Jesus, if we're to, if we're to use all of our life and, and steward our whole life toward the glory of our King, then how are we to steward the money that God entrusts to us? This morning, that's what we want to talk about, stewarding our money for the glory of King Jesus. We'll be looking in Psalm 49 just briefly, and then also in Matthew 6, and I'm going to borrow, just straight up, I'm giving credit, I'm not plagiarizing, I'm telling you where I got the main point for this morning. Randy Alcorn makes this statement in his book called The Treasure Principle, more on that later. He says this, you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. That's the truth I want you to to get about your money today, and stewarding your money for the glory of King Jesus. You can't take it with you, But you can send it on ahead just to give you the the brief on this book. That is what he calls the treasure principle. And it's from there that he unfolds this book. And again, we'll talk more about that later on. You see, our world applauds those who are successful. Uh, Those who do well for themselves. Those who have a lot of money, right? And they ignore the reality that you can't take any of it with you. We conveniently don't like that part, amen. We want to forget that part. I mean, we know that truth, don't we? We know that truth, and you and I who do know that truth can live differently in light of true reality. But in case we'd forgotten, listen to Psalm forty-nine, verse six, verses sixteen to twenty. Do not be overawed when others grow rich, when the splendor of their houses increases, for they will take nothing with them when they die. Their splendor will not descend with them. Though while they live, they count themselves blessed, and people praise you when you prosper, they will join those who have gone before them, who will never again see the light of life. People who have have wealth but lack understanding are like the beast that Perish. People that have wealth but don't get the fact that you can't take it with you, they're no different than a a dumb animal that dies. Because somehow they're thinking that all they've accumulated is is really going to matter after they die. You know, no, no matter how much money we accumulate in this world, we are going to die. Don't you love it when I start sermons this way? And we cannot take our money with us. I'm telling you, that we could stop right there and that ought to change your life. That needs to change my life. Amen. Randy Al- Alcorn tells the story of John Wesley. John Wesley toured a vast estate with a proud plantation owner They rode their horses for hours and saw just a fraction of the man's property. At the end of the day, they sat down to an amazing dinner there in the plantation house, and the plantation owner eagerly asked, Well, Mr. Wesley, what do you think? Wesley replied, I think you're going to have a hard time leaving all of this. He wasn't going anywhere. He's talking about his death. But you see, we will leave irrefutably. We will leave all of this, whatever your all of this looks like. And you see, Jesus wants us to know the joy of using our money in a way that glorifies Him, as we invest it in what will last forever, and will pay eternal dividends. You see, we can send our money on ahead to heaven and build heavenly treasures in His presence through the use of our money in the here and the now. That's what Jesus says in Matthew 6, verses 19 and following, when He says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Why? Because I believe in you, Psalm 49. You can't take it with you. If, if then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. The main point Jesus wants to make in Matthew 6, 19-24 is this. You can't take it with you. But you can. In fact, you should. Send it on the head. You know, Jesus, in the verses we've just read, gives us the best financial advice ever given. You say, Chad, is he really talking about money? He is absolutely talking about money. Uh, You just have to spiritualize this passage away if you don't see that he's talking about money. He, he, He wraps a section up. You can't love God and what? Money! And so He gives, listen to me, He gives you the best financial advice that's ever been given because it is financial wisdom in light of eternity. So let's just establish something. Is eternity real? That's really important to this discussion. Because see, if you don't buy that, you won't buy anything else that I say. Anything else Jesus has already said in the words we've read. If you don't really believe there's more to life than what we experience on earth. If you don't believe heaven is real. If you don't believe that, that eternity is real. Then just, I mean, I mean, seriously, like I'm not being ugly. You're dismissed. Like you can leave. Because nothing else that we're going to talk about this morning makes any sense. It really doesn't. In fact, Paul would say of us, because we believe in things like eternity and, hey, we sang about it, the resurrection. Paul said, we're we're, we're a bunch of idiots around here. I mean, of all men, if if the resurrection is not true, we're crazy for worshiping Jesus. If he's not really alive, if there's not something called heaven, if there's not something called eternity, what are we doing? Now, see, what we don't like about that is that means all of a sudden that affects how we spend our money. That's how practical the resurrection is. Jesus says, don't make investments that can't last. I mean, that sounds, that's, that's pretty smart, isn't it? Don't make investments that won't last. Seeking all you have into temporary investments that will disappear one day? Listen to me. It's not just a bad idea. It's plain dumb. Hello? Y'all all right? I mean, it's going to get a lot worse, so i mean, I just need checking on you. Rather, Jesus says, be truly wise financially and make sound investments in the lives of other people and for the souls of your neighbors and the nations that will give you everlasting treasures and pay everlasting dividends in heaven. You see, if eternity is real, the best investments you can make don't pay here for a limited time. We're fools if we invest in what one day... Listen every, every, listen to me. Every investment on this earth that pays you in cash today has an expiration date, and it's called the day you die. I don't know when that is, but it's coming. And by the way, we're closer, you're closer to that day than you ever have been. And again, if, if eternity's not real, but if eternity is real... Why would we pour our money into things that will not survive our lives? Jesus is appealing to us. He's not trying to cramp our style. Notice what he says. Don't invest in passing things, but rather lay up for yourselves, positively, lay up for yourselves treasures that will last forever. He wants us to be eternally rich, not just temporarily and and, and wealthy with earthly wealth. You see, Jesus makes it clear, your earthly possessions can be stolen. Do you see that? Your earthly possessions will one day wear out. Isn't that amazing how that works? They're going to decay. They will be destroyed in the end. There are absolutely, hear me, zero earthly investments that will pay eternal dividends. That is, dividends for eternity. Right? They don't exist. Your stock market investments will cease to pay dividends when you and yours die or Jesus comes back. Your real estate investments will cease to provide a return when you and yours die or Jesus returns. It is going to stop. But the heavenly earnings on true kingdom giving of your money for the glory of God and the good of others in terms of both physical, meeting both physical and spiritual needs with the gospel cannot be stolen because God keeps those dividends. Those treasures, they're in heaven and they will pay, He will pay eternally. Eternally. You can't take it with you but you can send it on ahead are more of your treasures here or in heaven so that here's the here's the question behind the question have you spent more of your money on earthly treasures or have you invested more of your money in heavenly treasures As you get closer to the certain day of your death, are you moving away from your treasures because they're mostly here on earth? Have you ever thought about that? All the stuff that you're laying up here, the closer you get to the day of your death, guess what? You're leaving them behind. They're not in front of you. They're behind you. Or are you daily moving closer to your treasures because you've sent them on ahead and just past the day of your death, you will be there in heaven with Him. And all the treasures that He've hopefully laid up there. This is amazing to me. Jesus wants us to pursue heavenly rewards. Do not waste your money on earthly stuff, Jesus said. Invest in heavenly rewards that will pay forever. Treasures that can't be touched. Treasures that will never go away. He wants us to pursue heavenly rewards. He wants us to be eternally rich. And He wants us to do it with the use of our money. You know, I think of Matthew 10, verse 42, where Jesus said, whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water, because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. All throughout the New Testament, all throughout the Gospels, Jesus tells us that for, 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 for behaviors that are in obedience and to, to and, and imitation of him, we will be rewarded one day. Even down to just give I mean, I mean, think of it. Who would not, if you could, give a cup of cold water to somebody who's thirsty and in need? Who would not do that? Jesus says, "If you'll do that even for the, the, the poorest, the most needy, you'll be rewarded for it." Now, here's the problem in our minds with that. We'd just like to stop right there and talk about cups of cold water, Amen. You see where I'm going? Jesus, I'll give them, I'll give, I, I mean, I, I can find cold water any day, any time. I'll give as many people as you want me to give cold water in this world. I'll give them a cup every time I get a chance. In fact, I mean, you just tell me how many cups you want me to give, and before I die, I'll make sure I give any cups of cold water to somebody. But I, I don't really want to talk about my money. <laughs> So let's not let ourselves off the hook with just a cup of cold water because Jesus wants our hearts to so treasure Him that we gladly give our money to those that need it, either physically or for their spiritual gain through the, through the, through the knowledge of the gospel. Matthew 19, verse 21, Jesus said to that man who said, how, how is it that I can get to heaven and, and, and know God? He says, if you would be perfect. Go sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. You see, for that young man, he would not worship God and trust Jesus as his Savior because he loved his money. And he went away sad. Now you say, Chad, what do you mean? Is Jesus saying that... I've got to sell everything and give it to the poor to be saved. Not necessarily. But what Jesus is saying is that if you don't love him enough to do that, then you probably don't love him at all. As he goes on to say in Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. You want to know where your heart is? Look at your checkbook. Pull out that credit card statement. How we invest our money in this life, on the daily, reveals where our hearts are. But those financial choices and intentional decisions about our money, listen to this, also lead our hearts to love what we believe is most real and important and valuable. It's just kind of a circular thing. You can look at your checkbook and see where your heart is. Your heart directs your money, but the flip side is your money directs your heart. The choices you make about money influence the way you feel about God or money. Randy Alcorn says, As surely as the compass needle follows north, your heart will follow your treasure. Money leads, hearts follow. God wants your heart. He wants your heart. Well, Jesus goes on and says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Now you're probably thinking, what in the world? We're talking about money. We're talking about treasure in heaven and all this stuff about money. What's this got to do with how we use our money? Well, think of it this way. Let me see if this helps. I think this captures in a short way, in a simple way, maybe the the, the truth of what Jesus is communicating in verses 22 and 23. Our bedroom at home is, uh, and our bathroom is very dark at night on purpose. And that's because Miss Betsy can be kept awake by the smallest of lights. It's an amazing thing. She can be facing away from our bedroom door. And our, our bedroom now, over the top of it, there's one of those, somebody that is in construction, help me. One of those things got glass above it, just like a little window up top. What is it called, Jacob? Huh? Transom. It's got one of them. Yeah, there we go. Transom thing. She can be facing away from that transom where just outside of that door, there's a hallway. And if I turn the light on in the hallway, she can see it. So, It's dark up in the bedroom. On purpose, very dark. Well, (laughs) I'm older than Betsy. And y'all know what that means. So when I get up in the middle of the night, it's a long way from where I am to where I need to be. And unless there's a full moon, that means I'm stumbling through the bedroom and the bathroom to get where I need to be. Just last week, we have, as, as you walk through our bathroom, there's, there's closets on either side with folding doors. Well, One of us had left a folding, we won't talk about who, well, one of us had left a folding door folded out, you know, folded out. Was, the doors were open, and so this thing's sticking out, you know, that much instead of being that much in. Well, I just plowed right into it. So dark, I, could, I couldn't see Jesus is saying that we often live our lives and handle our money in darkness. But he has just, in what he previously said, he's just turned on the light for us to see reality and light of eternity very clearly. And so what he's saying is if you ignore what we've just said about money, then you're keeping the lights off and you're going to crash into things in the dark of this life where you see ultimate reality in terms of money, not God. And we're going to invest in disappearing assets and lose our return on our investment the day we die. And yet, sometimes we live proud of stumbling around in the dark. We live proud of wasting our money on investments that will not last. Who does that? Only those who bow down and worship money instead of God. That's why Jesus ends the passage with verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and Money. Either God will or money will be your master. You're going to serve one or the other, Jesus said. Money is a terrible, exhausting, hear me, even damning master. Only God is a good master who, through Jesus' teaching here, has turned the lights on for us, and he's shown us how to use money as a tool to build up eternal treasures for ourselves in heaven. He wants our eternal best, not just our fun for a moment. You can't Take it with you. But you can send it on ahead. So here's the question. Are we sending our treasures on ahead of us to heaven? In his book, The Treasure Principle, Randy Alcorn leads us to ask ourselves a great question. This is a great application question, so, so here you go. Lord, maybe you would ask the Lord this as, as I read it. Lord, am I honoring you as owners? Am I honoring you as, as owner of the assets you've entrusted to my care? Or am I treating you as a mere financial consultant to whom I pay a fee, 2%, maybe even 10%? Have I been acting as if I own the store and you work for me, God, rather than recognizing that you own it all and I work as a steward for you? How about it? Where are we? It's really interesting, and I, I tell you, I'd love to do this one day. If you and I were to right now be able to just jump across the world and, and take a, a quick visit to Cairo, Egypt, we would see a stark contrast in how two men thought, lived, and died with reference to their money. We could stop by an overgrown cemetery behind a little gate there on the outskirts of Cairo and find the the headstone of burial place of William Borden. William Borden was the heir to the Borden milk fortune, but he left it all and went as a missionary to Muslims in Egypt. He gave hundreds of thousands of dollars to missions, but after just four months of missionary service in Egypt, he contracted spinal meningitis and he died at 25 years of age. His obscure, overgrown with well, grass gravestone reads as follows William Borden, 1887 to 1913. Then it says this Apart from faith in Christ, there is no explanation for such a life. Apart from faith in Christ, there is no explanation for such a life. I'm just guessing, but I doubt very many people stop by William Borden's tombstone. But if they ever did, and if they ever read those words, and if they're paying attention, they would learn a much more valuable lesson than going not very far away at all to the Egyptian National Museum that houses the King Tut exhibit. How many of you have seen that? Anybody? Okay, a couple of you. Tutankhamun was the boy king of Egypt who died at just 17 years of age. He was buried, as you know, with solid gold chariots and thousands of golden artifacts. His gold coffin was found within golden tombs, within golden tombs. His burial site had literally tons of gold inside of it. The Egyptians believed in an afterlife where you could take your earthly treasures. Hear me. But every single ounce of gold in King Tut's grave stayed right where they were placed at his death and remained, hear me, remain untouched for 3,000 plus years. Years until Howard Carter discovered them in 1922. And you see, when we look at their lives, the world would say William Borden's life was a tragedy. He forsook a fortune, and after four months he died of spinal meningitis. What a waste. That's what we'd say. That's what the world says. King Tut, man. We'll travel halfway across the, the, the world to see the gold. What a life. Just, just 17 and look at the, at, at, at the wealth. Now, is there anything wrong with looking at the history and seeing all the beauty of King Tut's grave? No, but you get my point. We'd say, man, that guy, he, he really lived. But the truth of the matter is, King Tut's life was tragic because he found out the moment that he died, you can't take any of your riches with you, and he is now forever separated from God in eternal hell and torment. William Borden's life, it was a triumph because he trusted Jesus as a Savior and believed Jesus' teachings that he could send his treasures on ahead, and he did. And today, Borden is looking into the face of Jesus, his Savior, and has, hear me, tons of heavenly gold. That is his. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. One more quiz question for you to help you apply it. Help me apply it. Multiple choice question. Three possible answers. Success looks like A, experiencing great food and travel, living comfortably, and driving a luxury car. B, retiring at 50. I just turned 50. I'm tempted. I'm tempted by that one. Or C, extending pay off of your mortgage and foregoing some luxuries in order to sponsor a missionary family who's taken the gospel to those who've never heard. What's your answer? What is success to you? A, B, or C? Another one. Your annual bonus is twice as much as you thought it would be. What do you first think? A, I'm headed out shopping on our own vacation. That would be the spenders among us. B, I'm putting this on the mortgage. The savers among us. R.C., thank God for His provision. I can't wait to give a chunk of this away to meet somebody's need or get the gospel to an unreached people. You see, the C answers in both of those questions are the heart of a Christ follower who stewards his or her money for the glory of King Jesus. It's the heart of someone who understands that you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. I want to invite you to join me beginning this Wednesday at 6.30 here in the sanctuary for a seven-week study through this little book, Alcorn's little book called The Treasure Principle. The subtitle, by the way, is Unlocking the Secret of Joyful Giving. Jesus wants you to know that joy. He wants us all to know the joy of joyfully giving our money and being rich, not on earth, but in heaven. And so, got about twenty five of these. Join me on Wednesday night at six thirty in this in this room, in the sanctuary. That's because as one of the folks teases me about Wednesday night and Sunday night, we're gonna have big faith. We're gonna trust a lot of y'all show up because here's the reality, we all need this. Amen. If we don't have enough books, hey, we'll get more. And we'll just talk about practically how do we live this treasure principle out. How does it change our lives that we can't take it with us, but we can send it on ahead to heaven? How many of you are interested? Anybody? I'll see you Wednesday night. Let's pray. Father, what a privilege it is to serve you and be involved with you in this world. Lord, to, to be able to hear Jesus for our eternal good, not just short-term good, Tell us how to use our money. And Lord, we're just going to be real honest right now in this moment, and here's the deal. We just flat don't believe Him. We struggle to believe Him. And proof is the way we use our money. And God, I pray You'd forgive me for all the times that I refuse to believe that Jesus really wants my best and that what He is telling me will bring my best eternally. And I make decisions about money just like everybody else, just like the world around me, just like those that have no idea who Jesus is, could care less what he's done. So, Lord, we want to change. We want to be transformed again by the renewing of our minds so that we're not conformed to the world, but so that we look like someone who has seen the mercy of God and cannot do anything but lay their lives down for the one who died for them including our wallets and our checkbooks and our credit cards and all our stuff. So help us to do that even now. In this moment, speak to us. And in the days ahead, teach us. Practically change us. Lord, you don't need our money. I pray no one in this place or join us by live stream would hear us saying that East LJ Baptist Church is asking for money. We're not asking for money. We're asking for you to give your heart to Jesus. Lord, I need, if I'm to properly worship Jesus and not money, I need to give big. I need to give sacrificially. I need to give in a way that my life and lifestyle is changed. So show us the way. And even now, by your Spirit, open our hearts to what you'll show us. And may the result be great glory for the name of Jesus, who alone is worthy. That's in his name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing together. You respond to the message today just however the Lord leads you. Do you know that today? Do you know that all all your ransom has been paid by the wounds of Jesus? Amen and amen. You may be seated for just a moment. We praise him for the deep, deep love that he's shown us. Several announcements. First of all, immediately after the service this morning, we're going to move into our monthly conference. And so, uh, church members, please join us. This is an important meeting. You'll learn uh, uh, about that in just a second, a little bit more about that in a second. A uh, couple things important coming up today, though, from our, um, from our mission committee, also from our search and personnel committee. So please join us for conference immediately after this service. Also on your way out today, uh, as announced, we'll be uh, uh, receiving a love offering in addition to our regular offering. Notice the difference as you're going out there. Uh, two different receptacles there for that. Our regular uh, offering and also our love offering today for relief work in Ukraine. This money will be channeled to that effort through Samaritan's Purse, and so as you give, all that money will go directly to the relief effort there on the ground in Ukraine. We will meet tonight at 6 o'clock for our Crowd to Jesus prayer service. Uh, Join the church family as we pray together for uh, the lost, for our missionaries, for the nations, for the sick and grieving that we know, for our church family, and for God's work here in our midst as well. Wednesday night, Youth and Children's Ministries uh, are on for uh, Wednesday at 6.30. Uh, Pizza starts at 6. It's going to be a big week for the teenagers because on Thursday night, anybody tell me what starts Thursday night? D-NOW starts on Thursday night and runs through Sunday. Those meetings will be held at Covenant Community Church. So this Thursday night, uh, Stacy in the room? I want to say about six, get there about 5:30, and you should be on time. So, um, or look that up and get an exact time about when to be there. Next Sunday, following the morning service, we will have dinner on the grounds to benefit our summer youth camp. So our youth are, are going to provide a meal for you next Sunday after the service. Plan to stay and donate what you'd be spending at a restaurant to the. Uh, travel and, and, and so forth for uh, our students to go to summer youth camp in July. On your way out this morning, you'll see on the desk there on the right... Uh, a stack of, st- there's still a few left, free book called Rich Wounds. You can use that devotionally between now and Good Friday and Easter weekend. Uh, just ask you to take one per family, please, so those can be spread around. Uh, and if you start that, if I'm, I think I've calculated correctly, there's like 30 or so days worth of reading. If you start that this coming Saturday or any time this week, you'll have plenty of chapters to get you through to Easter. Uh, if you want to use that as a family or individually, however, uh, pick that up on your way out. Tim Mosley is coming with uh, an announcement, and uh, also then Adam will follow him. And Adam, when you're done, if you'll close us in prayer.
3: Be brief. And my Sunday school class says, "Yeah, right." a wonderful convicting sermon and don't get me wrong the worship service is of utmost importance it's God honoring there's something about gathering and corporate worship that pleases God and edifies us but I'm here to tell you it's not enough I didn't tell Chad I was gonna say that but, but it's not enough if you're serious about doing church You need to get involved in some kind of discipleship group. Now, for me, that's Sunday school. I teach Sunday school, and so, of course, it's Sunday school. Well, let me read you a quick scripture. Talked about this in Sunday school. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. christians we are the body of christ we represent jesus christ in this world and he said to us the way that people would know him is look at you and how you love one another is how they would see christ that is an awesome responsibility we've been studying through first peter and it talks about in there about in that wonderful section, verse 2, that my Sunday school class has heard me say over and over and over, how you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. You're stacked in living stones. You're, You're living stones called by him. A chosen people, a royal priesthood. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people. The living, immutable, transcendent, Immortal, all-powerful God has called you, if you're a Christian, he's called you and made you one of his own, standing before him that we can't begin to comprehend because we can't comprehend infinity and eternity. Not really. It's important that in order to love one another, you actually love one another. And the way you learn to do that is get in a group where you get to, you can't really, if you just come to the worship service every Sunday, truly get to know people and love on people like you need to. In our Sunday school class, we spend sometimes half the class taking prayer requests and praying because we do love one another. And I've formed friendships with men that are both convicting and uplifting because we can share things that I can't share with people who sit down the pew from me. I don't, I just know you by your face or maybe by your first name and speak to you. It's, this church believes in Sunday school because it's our primary area. It's not our only area. We have Wednesday night classes that Chad teaches and Larry Molech teaches. There's women's Bible study. There's Sunday school classes for every age. I really encourage you to get involved because if you're not, you're missing a lot. You're missing a lot. We have a lot of fun in our Bible study, but you have to be plugged in to really love one another as Christ commanded us to love one another.
4: We'll go ahead and continue continue on with some more good news. Um, the youth pastor search committee uh, has recommended to leadership. We have found a youth pastor. We've recommended him. It was approved this week. Um, so we are voting in conference on the salary package. So we really um, encourage everyone to attend that. Uh, it's been a blessing, um, trying at times, but getting to this point. Um, Makes it all worth it, you know. Seeing uh, the Lord work for myself, getting out of the way and letting Him take control of me, not trying to fix it myself. As I'm sure the committee will back me up on that. Um, but it, it's been it's been uh, very good. I can't wait. I'm excited to see where this goes. Um, as Chad mentioned, we're having the lunch next Sunday after church. Him and his wife will be here uh, right after the service. Um, introduce themselves and anybody that wants to talk to them, ask them questions, uh, you can see how they are and um, see what we've had the pleasure as the committee of uh, experiencing getting to know them. Um, so really excited as to uh, where the youth in the church is going. I really feel like good things are coming and uh, I can't wait to see it. So. That's next Sunday after church, they'll be here. So make a point, to uh, go up to them, introduce yourselves, ask them anything you want to ask them. So thank you.
0: Thank you, Adam. And then on the 27th, important to want you to know this as well, um, leadership was approving of the recommendation that the uh, search committee will make. That actual recommendation for church approval and vote will be on the 27th so we will have a one subject conference after the service on the 27th when the committee will present uh, this candidate for your approval and uh, acceptance of their recommendation and actual uh, vote to extend the call to this to this man so that's kind of the timeline y'all got it As soon as we dismiss here we're gonna roll into conference approve a pe- uh, compensation package next week you get to meet him the following week Uh, Lord willing you will make it all official and so uh, be in prayer for for these things let's pray together Father thank you for this time that you've given us this morning thank you for your direction in uh, the life of our church on so many different levels Lord this is your church you are the head of the body and we just want to follow our good and gentle and and powerful and all wise shepherd so lead us in the days ahead we ask